John Golia. I'm Greg Fife. And I'm Todd Curtis. And we are the Flight Safety Detectives. Between us, we have over a century of aviation accident investigation and safety experience to draw on as we discuss issues that affect all of us. So we are qualified to share our perspectives on accidents and incidents and what can be learned from them for the future. We're proud to say that we have two sponsors that really relate to the topic of aviation safety. The Professional Aviation Maintenance Association, or PAMA, and Avemco Insurance. Later on in the show, we'll tell you how you can get a 5% discount on your insurance just for listening to the show. We don't just dissect the official reports. In every episode, we identify safety issues and take the mystery out of accident investigations. So maybe pilots in their planes can have safer flights ahead. Well, hello, Todd. Hello, John. Glad it's to be back. And uh, it's just you and I today for this session. Greg's on travel. And uh, uh, today I think we've got an exciting show because it's an emerging field. You know? it, is, it is indeed emerging. Um, you know, I looked through the record of what we've done the last couple of years. This is actually going to be the fifth time we've mentioned this general subject on the show. And the general subject is UAPs, the new term being unidentified anomalous phenomena. And if you've followed some of our shows, and I'm looking at the list here because there's so many of them. Back in 2021, we had a couple of shows, episode 77 and uh, episode uh, 75, was it? Where we talked about um, official acknowledgement by the U.S. government the Navy and the Office of the uh, Director of Central Intelligence that admitted that the U.S. government not only recognized that UAPs existed, but that some of the things that were recorded by naval cameras on aircraft, which were have widely been distributed in the media, were actually authentic uh, videos and that they were unknown. Now, this was somewhat of an unusual thing at the time because the government had not officially acknowledged that these such things exist. Let's move forward a couple of years. To 2023, we talked about this subject twice again. Uh, one of them was episode 181, where we talked about a congressional hearing where they had three witnesses, including naval pilots who were involved in the video that was rather famous, who spoke under oath to Congress about the fact that uh, they had witnessed phenomena in a couple of cases. In the third case, there was a gentleman who was an Air Force officer at the time, whose job it was to investigate what was happening within government. And the last thing we mentioned was the, immediately the show after that. Uh, the show I just mentioned was show uh, episode 181. Episode 182, we talked about what I thought was an ideal example of how government could look at this in the future. That is, this was a 1987 event, I believe it was, a JAL flight 1628, 747 over Alaska, where something was spotted. It was spotted by the people in the aircraft, by the three crew members. It was spotted on radar on the ground. Uh, there was coordination at the time to try and figure out what it was. There was an analysis by the FAA after the fact about what it was. But that information was suppressed. And John, before the show, we talked about another issue that had a lot of similarities. 
This was uh, not in 1987, but in 2006 in Chicago. And I'll let you uh, take over the, most of it there. But basically, there were people on the ground who saw something that was should not have been there over Chicago. And, you know, you had some insight on that. Well, I just know from my friends and people who I've talked to in Chicago, the area, that they saw something going on flying around the airport. It was seen by a number of different people, different airline personnel. So these are not people that are unfamiliar with things to fly. And uh, they couldn't identify it, but it was real. And so many people admitting that they had seen this really makes it pretty hard for you, for maybe the old style where they would say you were crazy. Uh, and, you know, again, there was no answer, though. It went into a, a black hole and everybody was told not to talk about it. And of course, that only lasted a little while and everybody started talking about it. But I mean, there's, there's things that happen that people see that don't get recorded because A, they're afraid or they or their companies are afraid. And we hear reports uh, of pilots that are grounded because they report UFOs, you know, and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, in the last 15 or 10 or 15 years, 15 might be too long, years, we see some of these airlines, U.S. Airlines, United, Delta, that if a pilot says something that they think is crazy, they send them for psychological analysis. I mean, uh, we've gone sort of crazy in this country. And it's we not just less than 15 years. In fact, uh, um, the reason we're doing this show is there was a recent report issued by a study team at NASA, which looked at this issue with the specific uh, idea of giving advice to NASA as to how to go forward. And part of how to go forward was to systematically collect this stuff. And it's not necessarily things that look like you know flying saucers. The example they have in the uh, report, and I'll put this on the screen for those of you watching the video version of this, they had an example of upper atmospheric lightning. Uh, that look like some reddish, you know, tree sort of structure, which looks nothing like lightning that we understand. But this kind of thing had been reported back in the 50s and 60s, especially by very high-flying military pilots. And like you said, with civilian pilots more recently, had they reported this, and by the way, you know, these were things that didn't affect flight, but it was definitely unusual. Had a pilot reported this back in the 50s and 60s, a military pilot, they might have risked their careers, their security clearance, even though that it took 30 years or so, it's now recognized as an actual real physical phenomena associated with lightning. And understanding that will be helpful to uh, keep aviation safe and to uh, you know understand what other things might be coming from that that would affect the design of aircraft or the operation of aircraft. Fast forward to today, what this report represents is a slow but steady turn toward common sense. Had the Chicago event happened today under the sort of impression I get from NASA that, hey, we're going to use our resources to try and understand this. If the Chicago event happened today and the same people who had pushback from management to not talk about it were to have put this uh, information in the ASRS database, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but for those of you who aren't aware, the aviation safety reporting system is something that is run and managed by NASA on behalf of the FAA. Normally, it's used by pilots who might have had a violation. Let's say they had an altitude bus during an approach. 
and they report they self-report this to ASRS. And if the FAA finds out about this only from ASRS, they won't have any fines or sanctions or what penalties. So there is an incentive for people to self-report to keep from being sanctioned or have something on their record from the FAA. But ASRS explicitly, NASA says they now want to use it for something different, to collect information about UAPs. Now, and again, the kind of people who, who can report to ASRS, John, you're much more familiar with this than I, than I am. How have you seen it used in the past, especially in your work on the board of the NTSB? Well, for, first off, every pilot, almost every mechanic, flight attendants are all aware of it. And it, it's actually encouraged to report anything. They, they don't report anything, but they stay focused on things that they think are safety related, which is always important because it crosses the entire line for aviation. So if a pilot on Southwest reports something today with the, on something with their airplane that happened that they don't understand, they think they may have violated some rules because of it. And they report it and it sits there and then two months later, a pilot from United reports the same thing. NASA's going to tie those two together and say, what's going on? And then they'll start watching it. And if it continues, then that, then they'll uh, get the, you know, every, every quarter they notify the FAA of their findings. They'll start to notify the FAA that there's something going on that needs to be looked at. And uh, so from that point of view, it's interesting that, that we're going to use the, net, the ASRS system. But it's also nice because of, you know, a minute ago I said about the pilots that have been punished because they reported uh, something that they saw, they thought they saw, by now using ASRS and bypasses their company's management and goes into the system that gets knowledgeable people who are going to get to look at it, and it's not going to come back to them or their company. So they're able to, to say what they see. And we there's a lot of these reports that seem to come from Pilots that are flying like the the, the Pacific route are uh, way up in the uh, northern hemisphere, and you know, is there a, is there a geographical connection between all of these? Because we've never collected it, we don't know. You know, we got all this TV hype going around uh, that uh, Skywalker Ranch and what's going on out there. Uh, you know, it would be interesting just to collect if we had collected in the past. All of those sightings that supposedly came from that area, and we would have had a track record, so to speak, and a geographical location where we could look for some of that. So it's I'm I'm excited that NASA is going to finally uh, be charged with collecting this data and let's get it into the system and let's get a look at it, you know, in a real meaningful way, like we do with airplane accidents and so many other things. Let's look at it with people with with specialized knowledge and let's let's put the focus on it, you know, put it under the hot light, so to speak, and see what we can discover. And if anyone's watched uh, Pable in the last 10 to 15 years, you know there is just like an explosion of shows, ghost, aerial phenomena, Skinwalker Ranch, you name it. And even if these things were legitimate events that happened, and by the way, the one I mentioned earlier, that JL uh, Flight 1628, that was quite legitimate. And it showed up on these kinds of shows. What did not happen then was, like you said, putting it under the hot lights. The gel event actually was analyzed by the FAA, officially analyzed by the FAA, but the results weren't released. 
if you listen to the story of the FAA official who was presenting this to other parts of the government, the uh, other parts of the U.S. government allegedly confiscated all the information and didn't want it released. He happened to keep a copy, and he's been talking about it ever since. And the stuff you see on private uh, websites, be it YouTube or what have you, some of which is great data, but it's not data that goes through a systematic process like what happens at ESRS. And for those of you who haven't used it, thinking of using it, and you're worried about, they say it's uh, anonymous, but what if they leak the information? NASA is, is very, you know, I'm proud to say that, hey, we've had well over a million of these, of these anonymous reports. Not once has the identity of the person putting in the report has been compromised. So, and again, it's not the FAA, it's NASA that's doing this. So one of the um, issues that's frustrating about government is that different organizations aren't always on the same page. But this is one of those situations where this works to the benefit of everyone. NASA and FAA obviously have the same mission, but they also have different structures. That is, someone can yell and scream at NASA saying, we want this data, we want this data. But unless there was a clear, deliberate violation that's reported, or unless there's a clear national security issue or something that supersedes the individual um, 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 you know, privacy of their data, NASA's not going to release it. And they have not released it. So don't hesitate to put it in the system. Well, it's it's very quickly purged. I you know, I know you've been out there. I've been out and, and looked at the system. And when those reports come in, uh, the first person that sees them, it goes to a, it goes to a specific office, and they look at it to make sure it's understandable what was written in, because don't forget a lot of people can write it. They may not be uh, native English language people. They may not be uh, great writers. So that first person gets to look at it. If it's understandable, the name is then separated from it, and it's never put with it again. It's divorced in the very first office that it comes into. So, and that's the office that if they don't understand that they will call the person who filed the report to get clarity. But clearly when it leaves that office and goes into the system to be analyzed in, uh, in many different ways, because it's data, uh, the name is then separated from it. So all the rest of those people who deal with the issue never have the opportunity to see who submitted it. And for those of you who are not in the system officially as a pilot, controller, mechanic, et cetera. And you're thinking, can I submit to ASRS? Here's what I say, go ahead and submit it to ASRS. Yes, ASRS is there primarily to support a US aviation and space and aerospace issues. But if you have a report from some other part of the world, uh, even if you're not flying on US registered aircraft, but it might be instructive to NASA with this effort to understand UAPs. Um, Take the time to submit it. Worst case scenario, they won't use it. Best case scenario is you've sat down, you've written this out, you've put it in a form that you can understand and someone else can understand. And even if NASA doesn't accept it, you can take that information and go to some other official organization that might be investigate, investigating this. And to that, my, that point I just made, I want to give you a couple of quotes from the actual report. Everyone watching this can download the entire report, and we'll have this link to uh, this, this episode. The first recommendation is, we recommend that NASA explore the viability of developing or acquiring a crowdsourcing system, such as open source smartphone-based apps, to gather imaging data and other smartphone sensor data from multiple citizen observers 
as part of a wider effort to more systematically gather public UAP reports. Now, on that point, I say that's a good idea. But when I read this, I thought just about everybody already has a smartphone. And while you may not have smartphone photographs, what have you, evidence, um, if you send in a report like this, if you happen to have that, uh, do mention that in your UAP submission. And if you can, submit the actual data itself. You don't have to wait for NASA or someone else to develop an app. It's already there on your phone. Basic stuff like you know, audio or video recording or still picture recording. And the last uh, recommendation I want to highlight, we recommend that the Aviation Safety Reporting System, ASRS, for commercial pilot UAP reporting be better leveraged, providing a critical database for the whole of government effort to understand UAP. Now, I take some, uh, well, one criticism, criticism I have of that is they're focusing on commercial pilots. I'm focusing on anybody in the aviation system. Doesn't matter if you're a commercial pilot or not. If you have a legitimate report, send it in. Doesn't even matter if you're not someone with a certificate of some kind from the FAA. If it's legitimate and you think it might help to understand what's going on, send it in. Yeah, we hear stories all the time of, of these things going on. Of course, the reporters hear it, and they're the ones that, that make all the sensational statements out of it. But that something's going on. I believe there's something going on that we don't know. And unless we start tracking it and trying to figure it out, it's just going to continue to be out there and being a problem and, and uh, being sensationalized and and uh, so on. Let's get a let's get a handle on it because there might be something to this. Who knows? And I like to leave with the, the my next to last word. A couple of things I've read in various places online, especially one of which being the War Zone, which is a part of the uh, website The Drive. And the War Zone often has a lot of military-oriented stories. And this was one that caught my eye that was a UAP-related re story. And the gist of it was, there are a bunch of commercial fly uh, pilots flying up and down the West Coast from like California to Seattle. And several of them reported what looked like a fly higher flying aircraft at about the same speed of an airliner flying above these commercial routes. And this was not somebody or something that the FAA or the air traffic controller said was on their radar. So uh, it was unidentified, not necessarily exotic. It could have been some entity, military, civilian, or whatever, flying an aircraft in controlled airspace without contacting air traffic control. That's a safety flight issue. So whether or not it is an exotic or non-exotic technology, that's the kind of report that would be perfect for the system. Another one, and I think John mentioned, you mentioned this, uh, there are several reports that I saw, and I can't remember which websites, of pilots, some of whom were uh, military veterans who were flying commercial aircraft, seeing what appeared to be multiple aerospace vehicles maneuvering at extremely high altitude uh, between in, in the North Pacific, north of a route between Hawaii and the West Coast. They were seeing things that seemed to be considerably north of their position. This is like aircraft over 100 miles apart, simultaneously reporting the same activity. Again, doesn't mean it's exotic. But something that's maneuvering is not in orbit. It's probably in the upper atmosphere. And it's not being reported to the ATC. That's a safety of flight problem, whether or not it's of an anomalous origin or not. So those are the kind of things where, hey, instead of putting it on YouTube, put it in NASA's hopper. You know, and, and most people, when you talk about those, those open ocean areas, most people don't 
realize that there's no radar coverage out there. Right here on the East Coast uh, of the U.S., you go out 200 miles, there's no radar coverage. You're out there on your own. And the way they, the way they handle all the commercial traffic is they control their altitudes. They control the directions that they're traveling. So they're correcting and separating known traffic out in those areas because there's no radar coverage. So they use them distance to ensure safety, right? But if you're not uh, a commercial airplane flying on those routes, those are published routes, like a roadmap out, in the, out over the ocean, you can fly out there in the middle and nobody's gonna see you. Nobody's gonna know what you're doing. And uh, that's kind of what happens. And when you see today, some of those reports talking about these unexplained vehicles that actually go into the ocean and come out of the ocean, uh, you know, then that's the places where you, where you probably would see them, where there is no coverage, there's no radar to back up what you're saying. And if the pilot saw that, he may not say it because he doesn't want to be said, you're crazy. So this will give them an anonymous way to just say, hey, look what I saw this and I don't know what it was and you deal with it essentially. Just to let you know, there's something going on out here. Uh, we'll see. I'm anxious to see them get this up and running, especially the crowdsourcing portion, because, I mean, we got a couple of billion people here in the world. I'm sure that, uh, you know, 10 or 15% of them will be reporting what they see, and who knows where it's going to come come from and, and what it's going to lead to. And with that, John, I'd like to, to give you the opportunity to give our flying community, whatever they're flying, your last word. All right. So I, I'm, I, I've just been preparing the last few days for a uh, presentation, the safety presentation for the FAA in the maintenance area. And, uh, you know, here we go again. I'm, I'm looking at airplanes that crash because of maintenance errors. And I'm looking at a percentage of those, more than I expected, that could have been caught by the pilot had he done a good pre-flight on the airplanes. I cannot stress enough to all of my pilots out there that are listening to learn how to do a good pre-flight on your airplane. Get somebody like a mechanic to spend 15 minutes with you and identify the key points for you to look at and start to train yourself looking at, at uh, safety wire, looking at cotter pins and, and castellated nuts. Right? It's, we've had airplanes because the cotter pin left and then the, the nut got loose and came disconnected and it's on a flight control and here you go. The reason why we use castellated nuts and conitins on, on flight controls it is the most secure method. And they do come loose because of human error and sometimes just through vibration. Uh, but learn what to look for. It is very, very frustrating to me as I go through these reports and A, see a mechanic that made a mistake but then to see the pilot that missed an obvious point where he could have prevented the accident if he was just observing. So please do a very thorough reflight. And when you get in the air, please, please put the head in the swivel. Lots of new, new pilots in and around airports. And we know what happens when you have new, new pilots. They're more focused on getting all their procedures down and usually heads down in the cockpit, not looking around. And it's just a recipe for disaster. 
We are our brother's keeper. Put your head on a swivel. Save your butt in somebody else's as well. Please, please fly safely. Thank you for checking out our show. We really value our listeners and subscribers. Our podcast gets ranked by you and how much you like it. So please give us five stars in your podcast platform. We want to keep in contact with you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. You can email the show at flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com. By the way, if you're on YouTube, we're really working on growing the channel, and it helps if you all send in comments. Please do that, and we read all the comments. And be sure to subscribe. Remember, if you're in the market for aviation insurance, you can save 5% with Avemco just by mentioning our show. Visit them at www.avemco.com. That's it for this episode of the Flight Safety Detective. Until the next episode, fly safe.